Hey everyone, my name is Alex. I'm here with my husband Shane. Baby Lou is in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on This Family Tree, episode 27. Is this a special day? This is a special day. It's such a special day. Today, I am 19 weeks pregnant, and we finally got to go in for our anatomy scan, which is so exciting because, of course, we can't wait. We are not waiting until the baby is born to find out the sex. So we got to make sure there were five fingers, five toes, and we got to find out the sex of baby Cunningham. Shane, do you want to uh, let the listeners know what we are having? I do. But first, <laughs> and you know, I don't like prolonging this too Oh, much, no, I know. But what was your prediction going into it? I thought it was going to be a boy because both of our families have girls firstborn and then boys, and that's for our immediate families and then our parents and their families as well. So I just thought genetically we were predispositioned to having a girl first and then a boy. So definitely my prediction going in was boy. I honestly think that's what did happen. I, I, I still think we followed the schedule of girl boy, mm-hmm. but I think the boy was the miscarriage. Yep. So I don't think our family history has like gone off the rails. <laughs> And I think people know I'm inferring that we had a... A little baby girl. We didn't have it. What did well, I say? we're we, going to... Yeah, <laughs> you sorry. said we had, a, we had it. We have one. We have one growing. Growing inside. So growing inside is another little baby girl. And we couldn't be happier. So the ultrasound was so long and so boring. Uh, it was two hours. The baby was asleep for the whole first three quarters. And then for the last bit was just going crazy bonkers because they had me doing, you know, sit-ups and jumping jacks and drinking a little bit of caffeine and just trying to get it moving. But then it was just moving Did you tell people because it wasn't revealing itself, its genitals? I I don't know. they, They just couldn't get anything... Like they, there was like so many pictures that they were trying to get that they couldn't get because this baby was just not cooperating. But the reason you were doing sit-ups and jumping jacks was because mm-hmm. they couldn't find the genitals. I, I don't know if that's the case. Why were you doing jumping jacks then? Because they needed it to move to get pictures, like images of other things, I think. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, because uh, there are lots of things that they analyze, which we will get into later, but... So Shane comes in and this was two hours of them poking at my belly like I had such cramps after this. So I was just irritated. Shane was finally able to come in. I was finally able to look at the ultrasound screen. And when they told us, it kind of, you know, brought the the scanner, the ultrasound scanner. They were looking for the between the legs. And uh, when they told us it was a girl... It was like such a flood of emotion and it was just so happy. And You didn't really know it was a girl at first because what she said was there's nothing between the legs and you took that as they can't find the genitalia. I thought it was hiding. So you said jokingly, oh, what is it, a Ken doll? Ha ha. But I was like, I think she's implying that this is in fact a girl. Well, she did make it clear right after that. And she said, okay, you see those three little lines? You're having a girl. And after being so irritated for two hours, though, I didn't think that I'd get so as emotional as I did because I really was so irritated. And it just, everything felt so good. Are the three lines the thigh, the vagina middle, and the other thigh? 
Is that what the three lines are? I think the are? labia. Oh, okay. Or the pubic bone, the way oh, okay. it's shaped. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, so there's three lines when it's a girl. Yeah, I just, I felt so good knowing. What, what, like, what went through your head when they said that? It's strange. I felt, what did I feel? I felt like the one, I felt like the Cunningham name is dead. <laughs> I felt there's going to be no child in my likeness. So I, it's weird. I, I find this happens sometimes when we make a decision. Like if you and I are t- uh, torn on going somewhere for dinner. Mm-hmm. It's like, you decide, you decide. And then I'm like, you just decide. Whatever you decide, my gut will instinctively want the opposite. <laughs> so once boy was ruled out, I was like, oh, a boy would have been nice so I could have my mini-me. But like we had discussed beforehand... If we had to pick what we actually wanted, I think we both would have said girl. And I think we have discussed that. Yeah. But my brain was just doing that negative thing where it's picking the opposite thing as like, oh, I wanted a boy, even though I didn't. I saw you shedding some tears. I didn't shed any tears. I, I saw truly you wiping. Didn't. I saw you wiping, Shane. I... I you, you wiped one on, <laughs> on the way down you accused me of crying to like a news story and i wasn't you, you wiped a tear away i swear to god i'm very emotional for things and i would admit it if i did i know that's why I, I think you forgot i didn't have a tear i saw it my eyes might have filled because i saw your <laughs> when your eyes fill mine do but i certainly a tear didn't wipe down which isn't a cool thing to admit because What's better than crying and finding the news of your what your gender is? <laughs> I didn't do it, though. I'm embarrassed that I didn't. I wanted to be overcome. No, I definitely was. And I think it was because I was in the room for so long and it was just it was just so hard and so annoying that it was just it was I felt relieved just to know yeah. like, well, the finality of having a second child really hit me. And I'm like, this is it. I'm a man with two daughters now. Surrounded by women. There's something surreal about that. <laughs> I don't know why. It's much different than the first child. Yeah. Like the it's like a chapter opening with the first child and finding out this news was a chapter closing. Just because we know we don't want any more. Correct. Yeah. 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 I am excited that we can reuse all of Lucy's very adorable outfits that she only wore once or twice. I'm very excited that you know they can share a room a little longer if they want mm-hmm. to and it's just it'll be easier that way and some people might fight me on this but i feel like if you have the same sibling you're more apt to be friends and it's easier in sports to be stay competitive yeah i definitely think that it, it's with each a other. great way to keep you know uh, that can competitive nature between them because then you know when you have a girl and a boy like me and my brother I was always way better than him at stuff. Like what? For a lot, like everything except for drawing and math, but like anything physical because I was stronger than him. So I could you were him. stronger than your brother? Babe, I'm talking about growing up as kids. Okay. So then when Jake became, you know, six foot two and jacked, obviously I wasn't stronger than him anymore. And then our competitive kind of nature with each other fizzled because there was just no point. But for a lot of years we were we were able to do that but i don't know i'd say when he got when he turned about 16 maybe 15 it's weird because i uh, had a sister growing up i still have one now and i found i was always 
uh, better than her at sports. And I really wanted a brother who, in my mind, and this is probably archaic thinking, but I, I thought if I had a brother, we would be more competitive and mm-hmm. our, our skill level would be similar at sports. And we'd constantly push each other to achieve, like, make it to the NBA. <laughs> but I find now when I play someone at ping pong who actually uh, is really good, usually they had a sibling to push them. Like I have this friend, Mark Myers. Mm-hmm. And he grew up with four other brothers. And he's one of the best athletes ever. But I feel like I could be as good as him if I just had the brothers to push me. Or an athletic sister. Yeah. She was she was athletic in sports like us, like solo sports, like karate. She was amazing. But then I think when it comes to like uh, sports involving like hand-eye and stuff, maybe she's good at good. ping pong. And Tiff maybe has archaic thinking because she always says she's the girl version of me. as like a pejorative yeah like i don't know like i maybe i shouldn't be saying this but this is what i'm saying no she's she's i love tip but she's pretty gangly like she's not very athletic in that sense all i care about is basketball i want to make that clear too (laughs) anytime i'm talking sports the only sport i'm actually talking about is basketball shane is still striving to be in the nba no i'm not i realize my boat has come and gone i want to do to my children what i wish my parents had done to me so you want Lucy and Betty to fulfill all your unfulfilled dreams. Yeah, and I think that's kind <laughs> of the goal of parenthood in a way, to make your children's life better than your own. Yours yeah. is going to be a doozy. I mean, like, geez, what a life you've had, Alex. Oh, I've had a life. But, uh, I mean, we're in my, starting... I, I, again, this is, uh, if you've been listening, I'm, I over-exaggerate things. My life has been fine great wonderful Mm -hmm. it's just i have certain regrets that i started basketball too late like we're starting lou in basketball this summer yeah we're gonna find a toddler sports program she'll be two years old and if she doesn't take to it she doesn't take to it i am not a crazy dad pushing her into it but i just love giving her the opportunity to see if she's gonna take to stuff and just giving her the opportunity to play sports i think the programs that you can get toddlers into are just general sports but they're all play-based it's really cool like it's not in a way that's like all right kids dribble defense 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 it's it's more like all right here's a ball see if you can run and put it through the hula hoop on the ground and it's like totally fun and it i think just teaches young kids like preschoolers how to be teammates, how to share, how to like hustle. And it just, it seems like so much fun. And I just, it'll be so much fun to watch. I yeah. can't wait. I can't wait to go to like, you know, those stupid little kid soccer games. They're all chasing the same ball across the field. There's like one kid peeing in the grass over there. One kid, you know, picking dandelions over there and all the rest are just like a big cluster. Yes. I cannot wait for that. It looks it's like so much fun. fun. It's going to yeah. be so much fun to watch. Yeah, I, I agree. but uh yeah no so we are we're pretty happy and it's just nice to know well what i like about having two of the same is when you have two that are different you think that kid is just different because it's a different gender Mm -hmm. whereas when you have two girls you're like oh wow they're both girls they're both the same from the same parents but oh lou did this when she was this age she's more like this she's shyer lou's more outgoing I like noticing the difference and I have a lot of fun with everyone's individual quirks. Like, I think that's so cool. And just like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around someone looking different than Lou. 
but that's what we were talking about at lunch is trying to picture another girl version of you and I how is that even possible because we cannot fathom you know the combination of our genes making a different face other than Lucy's because we're so used to that Mm -hmm. but if it was a boy face maybe that'd be easier but yeah no it's it'll be very interesting but as well as the ultrasound went there's always some bad news (laughs) with us I find We've never had anything straightforward in pregnancy. With Lucy, the uh, stressful times started at her nuchal translucency ultrasound, the blood work that followed. So her nuchal translucency was fine, but there was something abnormal in the blood work. So they told me that I had a 1 in 18 chance of having a child with Down syndrome or with another chromosomal abnormality. I'm trying to do the math in my head. I'm I don't not know. Good at this. 1 in 18. We'll let the listeners do the math. What percentage is 1 in 18? That would be about 5.5555%. So Surrey has said... S- basically 6% chance. There would be a 6% chance that Lou would have Down syndrome. Which is very high. Yeah. So that was the 1 in 18. So we were very nervous. I was just just having the hardest time. I remember just the stress that I felt. Uh, and they asked us if we wanted to do the Harmony blood test, which is genetic testing. It's very close to being 100% accurate. Uh, and it takes about you know 10 to 15 working days to get your results. And then they offered me... Uh, with Lucy, the amniocentesis, which is like 99.9% accurate, and you get the results pretty immediately, like within two days. So we opted for the amniocentesis because I was having such a hard time, and I just I just wanted to know so that we could prepare for the outcome. You know, if we were going to have a child with Down syndrome or another trisomy, that we could prepare ourselves, educate ourselves, ready our house, do whatever we needed. So the amnio with her was actually pretty cool. It was very interesting to see. Uh, You just get to see on the ultrasound scanner this needle going from human world into baby world. And then you see the needle in the same screen as the baby. And it's really fascinating. So with Lucy, it was confirmed through the amnio that all was normal. And from then on, it was just like other problems not related to chromosomal issues. However, with... Uh, this baby, my nuchal translucency was fine. My blood work at the beginning was fine. But today, during the anatomy scan, they were measuring the nasal bones. I didn't even know this was a thing because this was not brought up with Lucy. And I think you don't know it's a thing unless you have been in this position yourself. So one of the nasal bones, because there's like one on each side kind of, One was regular length. One was normal. The other one was slightly shorter. Mm -hmm. And they told us that, and I was just kind of sitting there. I was like, well, okay. Like, fine. (laughs) I was thinking, good, smaller nose. (laughs) That was my first thought, truly. I just, I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, oh, one side of the nose is slightly shorter. That's fine, because the cartilage Mm -hmm. will probably, you know, cover it all anyway. And then we just asked what that meant. And they said that that is actually a soft marker for Down syndrome and other chromosomal abnormalities. So other trisomies and sex chromosome disorders. They said, look, you can do the amnio again, or you could do the Harmony blood test, which is the blood genetic testing. So we are doing the Harmony test because I did experience uh, a lot of stomach pains after my amnio, which was kind of scary because I know there is a risk of miscarriage. So opted not to do that. 
Well, it was interesting because the way she actually segued into telling us this was you were not bragging, but kind of saying, oh, with, yeah. with our first child, we had an amniocentesis. <laughs> and to be honest, uh, the results came back perfect with this child, but I was kind of disappointed because I wanted an amniocentesis. Well, because it was so cool. It was so interesting. I, I know. And then you start laughing. And I'm like, this is awkward. Like, you are a little bit of an overtalker in these uh, <laughs> these appointments. And the, the person's always like, okay, Alex. And I, th- I think it's very cute. But she she wasn't giving you any laughter. Yeah. When you started laughing, I was like, eh, geez, she's not even humoring Alex. I didn't even, that went but right then over she, my head. But then she went, well, it's interesting you say that because we actually noticed that, and she brought the up nasal. the fact that you may, in fact, ne- get your yeah. wish in having to get an amniocentesis. Yeah. But when confronted with it, you chose not to. Yeah, because I think if it was earlier in the pregnancy, I would. But now that we're 20 weeks, I mm. mean, it just seems like the chances for anything to go wrong would just be greater at 20 weeks. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Than yeah. at like 13 or 14 weeks. Mm. So, yeah, so we're doing the blood work. It's going to take a lot longer. But to be honest, they made us, they made me feel so good when we we're talking to the OBGYN. Uh, They just kind of reassured us. They said, look, it's a soft marker. However, (laughs) this part wasn't reassuring. They said, your chances went from, you know, one in 2000 to one in 33. So that was kind of a shock to my system. But they said, look, it's a soft marker and you have a 97% chance of having a baby with no abnormalities and a 3% chance that there will be something. But they really didn't seem worried about it they didn't seem stressed so I actually left feeling great and feeling like oh we've been through this before I've already been through one thing this pregnancy we already thought there was something wrong with the heart but it was fine so whatever I can handle this and it's going to resolve itself but then as the day's gone on and it's now nighttime you know your mind goes places and then you start looking things up on your phone and now I'm really freaking worried again. I like as worried as I was with Lucy. Mm-hmm. But it, that didn't hit until about maybe two or three hours ago. Well, I feel like when we walked out, you were kind of pretending that you weren't worried about it. But maybe you were because you were you were jokingly blaming my sperm for all these abnormalities. Well, I was totally joking because I actually felt fine. And I think that if I was seriously worried, I wouldn't joke Right, but I think joking is a defense mechanism against worry. It could honestly, it could have been subconscious, mm-hmm. but consciously, I I felt fine. But yeah, just so we're clear, it isn't my sperm. <laughs> well, it's not me either. So anyway, as the night was going on, I started getting way more worried and looking up what these abnormalities would be with just the short short bone on one side. Because in my mind, I'm like, okay, short bone on one side, like that come on like what what can that mean right Mm -hmm. but it's more of a marker like I was reading all these studies that said the groups like if they place people with like fetuses with nasal bone abnormalities in different groups so like one group had only one side that was abnormal and no other markers for abnormalities another group had like no nasal bone at all another group had one short one and other markers and things like that so the group that had one short one and no other markers uh out of like 90 patients three of them ended up having sex chromosome disorders Mm. 
And I didn't know what that meant. Do you know what that means? No. Okay, so I was looking it up. So that's like Turner syndrome and Klein, Klein, Kleinfelter syndrome. Okay. And I don't really know what they are. I like I was looking at the photos and things like that. And I, I know Turner syndrome because I've had a student with Turner syndrome. Kleinfelter syndrome is a little bit harder for me to understand. I was just kind of skimming it. But, you know, like you just, you don't want to anything to happen and make your kid's life harder. Life is already so hard. And is that, it? You always tell me how easy life is. Well, yeah, but I've, I like, well, yeah, I've had an easy life, but there's still so much stress in an easy life. Like, What are you stressing about? Well, like relationships, work stress, I'm stressed right now, like just everything. There's still mm-hmm. a lot of stress. So worst case scenario, we have a child with Down syndrome. That's, that's, I don't think that's the worst case. I think, what is worst case? I think one of the other trisomies where... I don't even know if it's possible if she could have a trisomy at this point that would impact her vi- like her life outside of the womb because I know there's a few chromosomal abnormalities where there's like a very high percentage that your child just dies a couple days after it's born. So worst case scenario would be that. that. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then I'd say it complications from something like Down syndrome or Kleinfeld or Turner or whatever. But like I have a really close person in my life who has down syndrome and you just like you know that they have a great life but that it is harder and they're relying on their family and everything and it's just it's difficult Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm nervous i'm nervous for that what about you like where where are your thoughts on that i am not nervous (laughs) but we we've been through it with lou yeah and Again, when when we found out the news that Lou didn't have Down syndrome, I had that same feeling I had when I found out that we weren't having a boy. I got so used to the idea of Lou having Down syndrome that when she didn't have it, because I had researched Down syndrome a lot. And it's such a people with Down syndrome are so loving and, yeah. and like they're so kind that I was kind of like so down with that idea <laughs> that's an unintentional pun <laughs> um, but yeah i was down with the syndrome i've heard that people say that <laughs> like i think that's a hashtag but i was into it were, were you disappointed at all like when yeah you- well because we, i had been picturing lucy as a baby with down syndrome for so long hmm. that m- the picture i had in my head of her kind of vanished and then i had to like rebuild yeah because I, I have no stigma associated with it. Yeah, neither do I. And it's because I'm probably ignorant to all the problems that will affect our life and our marriage. And, like, we, we probably wouldn't have that empty nest you kind of envision when you retire. Mm-hmm. So that I don't think of immediately. Yeah. And, like, um, so my one of my best friends, she works with a lot of adults with special needs. And there's, like really really amazing programs and places that hire exclusively like people with down syndrome and things like that like there's a really great uh it's a chocolatier and she got all the desserts from her wedding there and it was everything was amazing and they only employ adults with uh down syndrome and it's it's this really amazing initiative so there are things like that and i know that it can be great but then again her her brother who has it had a lot of health problems growing up and I just I can't imagine going through that because that is so like just thinking about it right now makes me really stressed makes me really nervous and uh, like thank God her parents have the resources that they could you know do that and maintain your friend right right Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah no it's it's definitely a hard life and I don't think one that people sign up for willingly 
but you know you love your kid just as much you want to do just as much for your kid it's just Mm -hmm. different yeah and harder but i'm i'm not worried about it for some reason yeah i you know what it's it's the other things it's the unknown the down syndrome is the least scary thing for me because i know that one the best i'm the most familiar with it i know lots of people with down syndrome but it's the other things that I don't know. And those are things that freak me out. Like, I don't know what Kleinfelter syndrome is. I don't I don't mm-hmm. know how Turner syndrome affects kids. So those things are really, really scary to me. But again, it's only because I'm ignorant, I hope. Right. But it'll be an interesting next couple of weeks. We'll wait for the results. But yeah, just I'm, I'm stressed. And Lucy's got a fever 102. So definitely feeling it. All right, so we have a very exciting guest. I'm very excited tonight. It's Anna Maria. She is Bluebird Kisses. She's a mom blogger. She's got three boys. She does a lot of fitness stuff, a lot of recipes, and she's just a great generally person to follow. But we got her on the line tonight, and we're going to talk about prioritizing health, prioritizing time for yourself as a mom. And I definitely want to ask her now that we have two girls coming on the way what the hell it's like to live life with three boys because that seems so crazy here is anna from bluebird kisses hello hey anna this is alex and shane from this family tree thank you so much for taking our call tonight Hi, no problem. So I started following you, as I told the listeners, uh, when I was pregnant. And I was looking for local moms for kind of inspiration. So this was about two and a half years ago. And I stopped following the lot of them after about six months. But I became obsessed with watching your stories and reading your posts. And you are so good at what you do. So I just <laughs> wanted to get that out of the way. Well, thank you. That's very, that's very nice. (laughs) But uh, one of the things that inspired me the most and one of the reasons that I really love following you is because you have had a pretty incredible fitness journey. Uh, And it's just one aspect of your life. But I was hoping that we could talk about that tonight um, and that you could just kind of tell me what started that. Because you weren't, as from what I understand, always super into fitness, correct? No, I wasn't into fitness at all. And I actually kind of used, like in the past, I used to sort of use fitness as kind of like a punishment. Like if I, you know, had like X amount of meals or like something that wasn't super healthy, then I would try and like go for a run or Mm -hmm. like it was always with a goal. um, And it typically was like almost used as punishment. I I don't know if I'm explaining it. No, no, that's exactly (laughs) what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like it was never, I never really looked at fitness in a healthy, like in a healthy way, which is sort of ironic because my dad um, found fitness sort of in his 40s and he was really active um, for a lot of the years that I was growing up. But for whatever reason, like with me, it just never, it never really stuck. Like I used to kind of run a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, this was before I got married and before I had kids. Mm-hmm. But again, it was always like with a goal in mind and it wasn't necessarily because I really liked it. It was because I was hoping to get to, you know, a certain stage with my body or whatever it was. So yeah, this was this has been kind of new for me in the last couple of years. Is the implication that now you actually have grown to like fitness now? 
Like it's not a yes. punishment? Yes. No, it's not. And the, the thing for me, I mean, the reason I actually started was because um, obviously like, I felt out of shape and I, I wanted like to hit certain goals, but they were more health related. Um, mm-hmm. After I had my last son, like I started having all sorts of weird issues. Like I would be nursing him and all of a sudden I would feel my heart sort of like skip a few beats and then my hand and then my fingers would go numb or my half of my face would be tingling. And scary. um, Yeah, it was pretty scary. And I actually, I approached my doctor about it and, um, you know, they hooked me up to a bunch of machines and we did a bunch of tests over a couple of weeks and they didn't yield any sort of a result. And so he kind of dismissed it as it's, it's nothing. You're just maybe a little bit more sensitive to your own body. Sometimes our bodies skip beats. But to be honest, it never felt normal to me. And, um, you know, like if I was trying to run up the stairs after one of my toddlers, the fact that I'd get to the top of the stairs and I'd be completely out of breath. Yeah. That never really sat well with me either. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just like a, a bunch of little things. And for some reason, whenever I, when I hit 35, I kind of had, like my husband calls it like my little midlife crisis, but I kind of had a bit of a crisis where I just kind of looked at my life and like, well, I'm unhealthy I'm definitely a hundred percent the heaviest I've ever been I'm definitely the most unhealthy I've ever been I'm you know ordering uber eats almost every day right you um, sound like us so you hit a, you hit a wall you knew that yeah. working out would actually make you healthier like most people know that but how did you actually learn to enjoy working out yeah. Honestly, I can't even pinpoint when it happened. It didn't happen from the beginning. It sucked. Like, it, it mm-hmm. was hard and it wasn't fun. And uh, the first few months, there was nothing There was nothing good about it, to, to put it mildly. But what I did start to feel was, you know, as I would finish my 30 minutes of exercise or whatever it was for that day, even though it was really hard, at the end of it, I would feel really good and I would actually feel like I accomplished something which I mean maybe it's also just like a product of kind of like where I was in my life like I was Mm -hmm. you know staying home with my kids I wasn't getting maybe some of that same validation from like a workplace yeah but all of a sudden I started kind of getting it sort of from fitness whether it was like my run or my 28 minutes of BDG or whatever it was I would feel really good at the end of it and then eventually that kind of turned into a bit of a craving like I started to crave mm-hmm. the exercise and then the fitness and so it's more about the high you get afterwards that you know is going to happen rather than during it yeah but I really enjoy it like the run I, so I wouldn't say I get that much enjoyment out of lifting weights maybe mm-hmm. but running specifically for me it almost became like my meditation like that became you know, when I'm outside and I'm running and I have the water on one side and I'm, or I'm running through the park, like it's, it's enjoyable. Like once I got, you know, over the nausea and the like heavy breathing and all of that, like now it's just, I get into a rhythm and then I think of all sorts of things. Like I come up with some of my best ideas for my blog and things kind of like for my family or family trips. Like I just sort of zone out and then before I know it, like an hour is up and I'm, I'm home. See, so for me, like I was always, I love being active. I've always been active my whole life, except right now I'm having, like since I had my daughter, the hardest time maintaining that activity. And it's like, I look at what I can do now and I suck compared to where I was at 
two years ago. Like all the goals I had reached are just, I'm starting from ground zero again. And I found that like when she'd go to bed or when she'd nap, I'm like, oh my God, finally a moment to myself. I could sleep. I can like do something around the house. I can do something on my blog, just something. And it was never working out because I'd always think that something else was more important. So how did you start, like stop making those excuses and start doing that? Because that's what I need to get in the habit of doing. I started doing them, like I would basically put on my workout gear straight from my pajamas so I would wake up in the morning and the first thing I would do is put that on Mm -hmm. and basically I kind of set like I mean it didn't work perfectly every day but one of the rules I sort of said to myself was okay the first thing you're going to do with the first opportunity you get is just get the workout in like you're not going to unload the dishwasher you're not going to fold the laundry you're not going to cook dinner you're just going to get your 28 minutes of exercise um, and if it was one of my run days, then I would just do it with Henrik and he would go in the stroller and he really liked it. So that made it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But just getting it in first thing in the morning really made a difference and almost like letting go of all the other stuff. Because the dishwasher is always going to need to be unloaded <laughs> yeah. at least once a day, if not twice a day. Same with laundry. And Exactly. And if it doesn't get done by noon and it gets done by 9 p.m., like that's fine too. My kids don't care. <laughs> But the funny part is, like, once I started getting healthier and once I started eating better and exercising more, I actually had way more energy. So I just found I was able to do a lot more and be more efficient um, once I got that level of energy. So I find that I am obsessed with food to an unhealthy degree. It's one of, it's one thing that it brings me so much joy in, in life for some reason, and I use it as a as a big reward. Do you think that is unhealthy to use food as a reward or if used properly can it be harnessed in the right way no I think if it I mean I feel like food needs to be enjoyed and I think that I mean if it's a if it's kind of like consistently if it's used as a reward or as punishment then of course like it could probably be negative but I think if it's used sort of in moderation like that's fine I mean I think most of us would say the same thing I don't know I I tried to look at food I I never had the best eating habits Mm -hmm. and I never had the best sort of history with with food especially when I was younger so one of my big things is not to be extreme and not to do any kind of crazy diet no calorie counting like none of that stuff just you know try to get more vegetables in with every meal if I wanted a cheeseburger like have the cheeseburger but then don't feel guilty about it and obsess over it just like eat the cheeseburger enjoy the cheeseburger and then you know get on with it and the next meal like have an avocado toast and that seems to kind of work for me do you believe in cheat days or is that not part of your ideology no it's not really part part of it because i feel like i mean what are you really cheating (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's not you're going to eat pizza or you're going to eat a cheeseburger then do it and like it and you know take the time to sort of savor it and and that's fine i kind of have sort of like a i don't know maybe like a 90 10 rule so like 90 percent of the time i eat healthy but if i'm you know going out for pizza with my kids and i'm obviously yeah. just going to eat pizza but i don't necessarily plan it out and i also don't think like, I don't think of the way that I eat as a diet. Like, this is kind of, like, for me, this is it. And I now that I kind of like having the vegetables and the salads and, 
you know, avocado toast in the morning. I actually found a lot of the cravings for all the other stuff has kind of gone away. So it's more just like intuitive eating. And like I find when I work out, I want to eat better to not screw up what I just did in my workout. And then that it's like a great cycle of just being healthy. And I love that. And I'm so not in that right now. And uh, so one of the things for me too, that I never realized I had before was I always used to have like stomach pain so I'd wake up every morning and I would have this sort of like pain in my abdomen and then it would radiate into my back and forever I just assumed this was completely normal I I, I don't know I don't remember when this started and but I just never thought twice about it I just assumed like it's from you know maybe gas accumulates overnight or how you sleep or whatever and somewhere like a month or maybe six weeks into changing my eating that all went away that's awesome. And now I find, like, I, I'm almost convinced that it was associated with the sugar, probably. Because mm-hmm. um, I ate a lot of sweets, so maybe it had something to do with that. But now I find, depending on, like, if, say, for example, I do go out with the kids and we eat cheeseburgers and fries and I have a Coke or whatever, I'll have that exact same pain. And it's terrible. Yeah. And I can't, I have a really hard time, like, working out with it now or going for a run with it because you can just feel your body in a different way. Well, it's a good reminder why you do the things you do. And I want to ask about that. So you're, this is a huge lifestyle change that you went through, right? Like it's what you're eating, what you're doing and how you're structuring your day. So with three kids and like we, we have one kid right now and we have our second on the way, but oh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's crazy. And like, did you find that it was hard that it was easy to get support or did you find that it was, it was difficult? Because I think when people take on a lifestyle change when they're in their 30s, they're kind of established, people might kind of give them a side eye. It was easy with my main support system, okay, um, which I think is where it mattered the most. Like My husband actually, he was active all his life. So he used to play basketball in university. He was always mm. like really in shape and ate really well and he didn't, and his mom is a dietitian, so they grew up very different from right. me. So when I started eating healthier, he was kind of like, "Oh, thank God! <laughs> like finally, like we're eating something else." Because I'm sort of like the one who takes care of most of the cooking and yeah. everything. So he was actually really supportive, and he started going to the gym as well. And he's been really, really great. But I did run into that a little bit with like friends who, unfortunately, some of them are no longer in my life. Oh, man. I just, I guess, like, you know, it's not for everybody, and some people don't understand it, and maybe they, some people took it really personally. Like, it was almost like I was attacking their the lifestyle yeah. by wanting to change my own, even though it felt very much, like, just about me. So you actually lost friends just by merely trying Getting to change healthy. your habits? Yeah, oh, unfortunately. Wow. That's Jeez. awful. Well, I guess that's for the best then. (laughs) I mean, you know, to each their own. Like I feel like sometimes people project all sorts of things on other people, unfortunately. But yeah, I I think it helps like to have the support. But I, you know, on the flip side, like I do have friends who've done like similar lifestyle changes and they didn't have the support. Mm -hmm. And it was significantly harder for them to, you know, go get to the gym and, when they didn't have a partner who really like bought into the whole thing at the beginning. Um, But I would say in all those cases, like they've definitely all come around. Oh, that's so, well, you got to. So like, how has this 
this whole change then how has it impact like prioritizing your health impacted you personally and like your view of yourself and then you in the mom role it's given me way more confidence like not just in myself but also in the decisions that I make for my kids Mm -hmm. I just find like I used to sometimes I would make a decision and then you know somebody would sort of criticize it and I would sit there and like you know obsess over it obsess over the fact that you know someone disagreed with it maybe they're right maybe I'm wrong and like second guess everything and I've just I don't even really know why exactly this has happened, but I find I don't question myself anymore. Like it's once I make a decision, I actually feel really good about it. And no matter what someone else says, like I can just kind of brush it off. That's huge. Nonsense. Yeah. It's, it's made, honestly, it's made a huge difference, like in so many ways in my life. Well, as a blogger, that's got to be so important because it's so hard on socials to, you know, make everybody happy. Like, that's really difficult. So that was the one thing that, like, shifted for me as well was with the blog. The first three months, actually, I didn't talk about it on my blog at all. I didn't, you know, no one had any idea that this was going on or that I was exercising or anything. I started sort of a private account just to keep myself accountable and a few people um, sort of like started trickling in and following that account and I would just post, you know, my meals and my exercise for the day or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, that account was like a very positive account. And then three months later, I sort of, I did sort of an announcement on my main blog as well saying, okay, like I've been doing this for three months, like this is kind of you know, what my journey has been. And at this point I was already sort of conflicted with a lot of the stuff that I was posting because I felt like I wasn't sharing about 50% of my life. No kidding. And um, so when I did that, I actually got like two completely opposite reactions. I had like some people who were super supportive and really excited and felt you know, like this was not just like the right approach, but they felt like, you know, they wanted to make a change. And so it was really good for them. And then I had people who got really upset and really angry mm-hmm. that I was doing this. And same as what I'd sort of experienced with like some personal relationships. They took it really personally and oh, sort of started attacking me for, you know, trying to promote like unhealthy <laughs> things. Yeah, well, to them it was like, well, you should be promoting you know, I can't remember the term now, but it was, oh, like, you should be more potty positive. You're not, you're basically doing the opposite of that. And so I got a bunch of attacks. And at that point, I remember actually, like, I put my account on private for a little bit. And I remember going for a run. And when I left for my run, I had said to my husband, I was like, I don't actually know, like, what I'm supposed to do now. Do I delete this post? Do I stop Mm -hmm. talking about this and just, you know, keep it sort of in that private account? And he was kind of like, well, you have to do whatever you want to do. So I went for my run. And by the time I got back, I just, I was like, forget it. Like they want to, you know, whoever doesn't want to follow, they don't have to follow. Like I'm done posting Mm -hmm. like nonsense. Like I'm just going to post what I want to post when I want to post it. And whoever wants to follow great and whoever doesn't can go away (laughs) kind of thing. There's in my mind, and I've seen this online a bunch too. I don't get why body positivity and health and fitness have to be at odds with each other because in my mind they're one of the same 
Like they are the same. That's yeah. my. That's uh, that is exactly how. It's I just see what it approach you take to finding yeah. that self love and body positive. Sorry, body positivity. Mm-hmm. And like for me, yeah. I feel the best about myself when I work out. And other people yeah. might feel the best about themselves when they put on sexy lingerie. And it's just different. And if yours is working out, like. I, I, I don't get how that is at odds with self-love. Well, because I think people I, are sick of being uh, ashamed of themselves. It's, it's hard because some people who are unhealthy don't want to feel ashamed. Yeah. So it's like they don't almost don't even want to admit they're unhealthy. But then it's, it's so that weird. projection. Yeah it's, yeah, it's just an awkward place to be in. I No, I, I would, like, I mean, I agree. Like, I think it's not, like, I, I mean, I've followed accounts that definitely are maybe promoting you know like teas and all sort of potions that are obviously not the right way to sort of become healthy Mm -hmm. but no one's disputing the fact that exercise is actually good for you and eating fruits Mm -hmm. and vegetables is the way to go because that's science and Mm -hmm. our medical system tells us that that's what we need to do exactly so yeah anyways but that is that's kind of where like when that kind of happened like mm-hmm. for me that there was like a pretty big shift in the type of content I started producing for my blog and also for my Instagram like right I just kind of had to like almost let go of a bunch of stuff and then I was able to kind of move forward and I'm way happier and ultimately your account uh, got more successful I would assume it did eventually so at first I actually lost I don't remember the number, but like several thousand followers, they were just oh, man. super angry. But I'm also like when I kind of get something in my head and when I get a little bit angry about something, I almost go overboard with the amount of information that I, I post. Double down, yeah. So I, I was kind of like, okay, now that I've made this decision, let's try and like flush out the ones I want to go like as soon mm-hmm. as possible. So I started kind of almost instigating and posting <laughs> Like maybe overboard on the fitness side to try and get rid of them as fast as humanly possible so we can just move on. Yeah, and just be on the same page. Everybody's in it. Like nobody has an issue. No, that's the that's the best move I think in that situation. Yeah. Um. So I have one question for you. Just because you said something about it, it has nothing to do with uh, fitness goals as women, as people, as moms. But you mentioned your husband played basketball in university and you have you are raising three boys. So we just found out our next kid is going to be a girl and we are both obsessed with basketball. How yeah. early did you get your kids in a sport? <laughs> um, so we tried since they were toddlers with all of them. There's um, I think it's called sport ball. I yes, it is sport ball. Presented. We're looking into it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we put them in. Honestly, our kid was the one. All the other kids would listen and they'd sit around like in a circle and do what they were told. And we had the kids that would just run around like and and wanted nothing. I mean, they wanted to play with the balls, but not in the way they were being told to play with the ball. So I like we tried pretty early on, but it really honestly wasn't until... Like I would say Magnus, who's five, like he's still not really into ball sport. Mm-hmm. Johannes became obsessed with basketball kind of on his own in the last two years. He was actually, he played hockey and he thought he really liked hockey. And we did that for a few years and he played select and then hated it. And it, it just became too much. So I pulled him and then he just decided that he really loves basketball. That's and amazing. 
way better sport as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier, yeah. For, as a parent, it's also much nicer. Yeah. We, hockey the, was crazy. The schedules are crazy. The the ice time was insane. The parents just, are crazy. The parents were different. <laughs> <laughs> That's the nicest it was way a, to put it. It was just a lot. It was a lot. Like it felt very, and it was. Like he was six when he when they asked him to play select, mm-hmm. and select is like the rep version. But th- he was playing like five to six days a week. Oh my god! Which is a lot. Like if I had to, if someone told me I had to run five or six days a week, I would probably burn out yeah. as an adult. It's exhausting. So and I, it turns it into a chore. It turns it into a chore, and and that's exactly what happened with him. Like he he was really excited at first. Yeah, and then. Pretty soon, he didn't want to go to practices anymore. He didn't want to go to games. And I'm not going to force my kid to, oh, of to do something no, like of that. Course. So, but so. was sportball a good program? We liked it. Yeah. We, like, I think it was great, even in the way that it was run. Yeah. And then I think we did with Magnus, with our middle, we tried, it's called Little Kickers, which is soccer, which was really cute as well. But they just, Honestly, they just weren't into it at that age. <laughs> like, we could have probably saved ourselves some money and just taken them to the park. We might have to start our own neighborhood yeah. league then. <laughs> but every kid is different, so you don't, you never know. And especially if you're like, I don't know, girls are a little, have a bit more attention span. It was always the boys that I would see running around like crazy, and the girls would like be the ones that were listening and be really good. <laughs> All right. I have one last question and it's back to health uh, (laughs) because it's more my fixation. Now, anyone who's health conscious, I'm always curious about their relationship with alcohol because I Mm. find I cannot be healthy and drinking alcohol. Like I'm I'm such a feast or famine type person. Are you able to balance that or do you just say no to alcohol? No, I still drink um, from time to time. I definitely can't. I have a hard time the next day and I also have a hard time sleeping if I drink mm-hmm. certain types of alcohol. Um, I don't know if it's age or maybe it's fitness or maybe it's hormones. I don't really know. But I find if I drink even a glass or two of wine, say with dinner, I'll wake up at 3 a.m. and then I'm wide oh. awake until about 5 a.m. And, and then that will affect not just my workouts but it'll affect like my entire next day mm-hmm. um for me it'll affect my entire week like it'll just create <laughs> this crazy domino effect where i'll, I'll miss right. a, a workout and then before i know it i've missed two workouts and then i'm eating bad because i'm kind of hung over and i feel like bad <laughs> right. food makes my hangover feel better or something like some justification i give myself but ironically i do find that working out when you're hungover will actually help your hangover really um you may not have the best workout but you'll definitely feel better when you're yeah. done um, oh, i'm gonna try that i've yeah, never even no, thought I'm, to do that <laughs> i do I, I i will drink though from time to time like we were just on vacation for example like and you know we're at an all-inclusive resort and everyone's drinking all day long and yeah like even my husband was having drinks during the day i kind of stayed away from the alcohol during the day and i would just have a glass or two at dinner time and that worked out well for me and what do you find is your go-to drink that you have the least adverse effects vodka and soda water okay that was what i was gonna say all right okay (laughs) for some reason maybe it's the sugar the lack of sugar in it it seems to not affect me it's kind of hydrating yeah kind of 
Been hydrated. <laughs> yeah, that's good because you're drinking the water with right? the alcohol. Yeah. It's the best. As a Polak, I approve. <laughs> um, but Anna, thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciated it. And uh, yeah, all the best and with your fitness journey. Keep posting because I, I love it so much. But yeah, thanks a ton. Thanks so much for having me. Lastly, sorry, where can people find you if they want to check this out, check out your journey and uh, check out your blog? So either Bluebird Kisses on Instagram or bluebirdkisses.com is the website. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks Thank again. Thank you so much. Have a lovely night. All right. Bye-bye. You as well. See ya. Bye. Okay, so now we're going to go on to our next caller. And this is actually on a different day than our, our first caller. He is my friend, Max. I do another podcast with him called Michael Munch. But today, he's going to be Max the rock star that we're interviewing. And he's kind of a parenting guru in a weird way. <laughs> I like applying guru uh, that loosely. But he will be a guru anyway to today for us and for our listeners who are sending in questions well i feel like even though max doesn't have kids and he might not even particularly be in the mood to want kids at this time <laughs> in his life i do feel like he gives sage advice so we're going to get uh listener questions yes. answered by max the rock star the parenting guru that what else did you call him I, I don't know he's a child a childless parenting guru but yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we're really pumped up to hear what he's got to say. And uh, feeling honored that he even agreed to do this because although he's a close friend and co-host of another podcast, this is a very busy time for him. So even to fit him into the schedule, like I'm very grateful, thankful. I'm going to thank him now just in case we run out of time at the end of this call because manager told me 10 minutes right on the nose. So we got uh, to adhere to that and respect his time. And I'm nervous. I'm oddly nervous. It's weird when you're nervous to talk to a friend. Well, and we do have Lucy here, too, which is not helping ease any situation. Oh, and she's very liable to touch a dial. Like, she's very fascinated with this whole setup, the camera. What's your sister's name going to be? Penguin. <laughs> oh, she sees penguins. Oh, she sees penguins. Okay. Hello, is this Max Kerman? This is Max Kerman himself. How are we doing? <laughs> well, welcome to this Family Tree podcast. Thanks for being here. It's an honor. My pleasure. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we've been promoting you all day as a childless rock star parenting guru, and people have been submitting <laughs> questions. <laughs> this is good. I've been known to give advice uh, on you know certain subjects I have no experience in, so th this is like right up my alley. Well, Max... You're, you're a rational guy, you're a loving guy, and I think people that only know you from afar are excited to get advice for those reasons. Okay, well, hey, I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> let's do it. So let's get into it. Uh, Alex, do the honor. All right. So Max, question one. I'm childless too. Do you ever feel guilty for not visiting your friend's kids enough? My kids, my friend's kids are under two, and that's a weird age for me to bond with them when I don't know what the fuck to do with them. <laughs> Yes, I do feel guilty that I don't spend more time with some of my best friends, little kids. What would you? I, I basically anybody who's under the age of five, I, I consider a baby. But what mm. is like a under two? Is that a baby or is that a toddler? It's what, what, what do we call these people? I think after thirteen months, they're in toddler zone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I mean, I think the I don't really, to be honest, um, I don't know how much I can really offer in terms of a relationship with the you know one to two year old. Mm -hmm. But I think I could 
be a little bit more thoughtful about spending time with the parents themselves and offering some, you know, activities that are maybe like not kid related. So I, I wish I did a little bit more of that. What was the question again? I forgot what the question Like, was. do you ever feel guilty? Like, for instance, you've never met my daughter. Like, do you feel... <laughs> I've, I've met, I've met Lucy a couple times. Oh, okay. Oh, right. You, like in situations, like I brought her around you in a situation I knew you'd be there. Like I kind of forced <laughs> you into it. But would yeah. you feel guilty not meeting your friend's child? It's funny. Like, I feel... Okay. I don't really feel guilty, but I because I don't think it's actually a big deal. But I know it is offensive to some friends that I have not spent more time with their kids. <laughs> so then I have to kind of think about it a little bit more uh, and try to put myself in their shoes and ha- and what it means to them. So right. yes and no. So my instinct is to say no. I don't feel guilty at all about it. But if I am reflective on it, then I do feel guilty about it. Uh, now, this question is just from me. Like, when you're around a kid, do you feel awkward being forced into doing almost like baby talk? No, actually, one of my strengths, I think, uh, in this department is I talk to babies as if they're adults. Right. So I don't okay. really do the baby talk at all. I just kind of like very matter of fact with mm-hmm. them and assume they're picking up on my vibes. Right. And uh, you met Kyle Dubas's baby recently. How was yeah. that? Was there extra pressure? A little bit. I was I was more I was actually probably now that I'm thinking about it more nervous about how Leo reacted to me. Right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. if yeah. another if another baby goes, I don't care about this guy. I'm like, oh, whatever. You're just a baby. But when Leo was like, who the hell is this guy? I don't care who this guy is. I felt a little more insecure about myself. In case the look is, oh, babies and animals have a sixth sense for who's not maybe necessarily a good guy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. All right. What's the next uh, okay. question? <laughs> Max, in the future, your kid wants to do something, but they're terrible at it. Do you let mm. them continue that or do you encourage them to try something else? Ooh, I mean, if they're having a good time doing it, then I let, let them, you know, do it until the cows come home. That, now, that's my attitude. What if, what if they are like throwing everything else in their life away? Like uh, to be a singer songwriter, their songs uh, suck. They can't sing. They don't want to go to school anymore, and they just want to be a singer. But it's not going to happen. Oh, oh, this is like deep parenting. This is like teenage <laughs> angst parenting. I don't know. That, that's actually a really good question because, yeah, I'm sure all parents have had to deal with this at some point, especially when they have, you know, teenagers is like, how do you sort of guide them away from terrible ideas? And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think my attitude, I think my only one rule would probably be like, are you being just like a decent person? Like, are like, are you being a thoughtful, generous person, sort of selfless? Are you trying to sort of contribute and then after that, you can kind of do whatever you want. But as long as you're not an asshole, I think that's that's that that'd be my only rule. So you yeah. you can go down a foolish path as long as you're not an asshole. I think that's where I'd go. Okay, I won't lie to you, Max. This next question is a bit of a doozy, and uh, <laughs> okay. mo- most of these questions are anonymous. But I will let the cat out of the bag. This came from your girlfriend. Does okay? What did she say? <laughs> uh, she said, "Does Max want to have kids?" <laughs> This is a great question. Yeah, you know, eventually, I'm, I'm sure it'd be interesting. Yeah. Now, because <laughs> you're, you don't seem like a guy who's in any rush, and do you think that this lack of a rush could be a genetic thing passed down? Because your your father had you, unless I'm mistaken, when he was forty. 
That's right. You got the math right there. He had my sister when he was 37. So yeah, I mean, I do think we're influenced to a degree about like what our parents' timeline was. I think a lot of us have that. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, you know, growing up was aware that uh, my, uh, my dad was 40 when he had me. Mm-hmm. And that seemed like a pretty reasonable timeline. So he wasn't considered the old dad when he came to pick you up? No, not at all. But also, my dad's a very youthful guy. Yeah, like, oh, my yeah. dad feels very young. So he never, it's never really felt that way to me. You know what I mean? If you're in that like 30 to 40 zone, that's, I think, pretty normal. Once it gets to, like 45 and you're maybe raising an eyebrow, but I think 40 is still pretty kosher. Uh, now, Mac, the next question is from a Mike on Much fan. And mm. they say the disdain in your voice when you talk about kids is palpable uh Mm. what is it about possibly having kids that worries you the most um you know i think i'm very happy with my sort of work-life balance yep (laughs) and i like to be able to have conversations that uh are free-flowing and not interrupted by children (laughs) um and so and and a child really kind of throws that out of whack yes you know, I think hypothetically that's maybe speaking. where, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, that's where it comes from, my apprehension. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like the, the current feng shui that I have in my life. Mm-hmm. And when I hear this, like, little annoying voice going, dah, 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 <laughs> then I'm like, okay, this is sort of getting in the way of, of my adult conversation. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you accommodate friends and uh, try to stick chocolate in your kid's mouth and keep them quiet during the podcast. (laughs) Chocolate may not have been the best solution. Do you think you would be able to have the same job you have right now and have a kid? Because I I don't think anyone in uh, your band, Arkells, has children. Yeah, That's totally incorrect. There's two two, two, two of us have kids. (laughs) Really? Who? Anthony and Tim. Oh, so it's possible to be in a, a touring band and have children. And, you know, I, I, when Tim and Tony had kids at first, there was a bit of a, like, how does this, how is this going to work? But then we, we thought about other bands that have been around for a while. And, we're you know, we're friends with the Tragic of the Hip guys and, you know, the Blue Rodeo Camp. And, and they all have kind of adult children at this point. Like Paul Langlois from The Hip, he has a 20-year-old and a 23-year-old. Right. And that means if you do the math, he had them when he was 30, roughly. Yeah. Because and- I, I think he's around 50. So, um so then they, they did it. It seemed to work out okay for those those guys. And so, I guess yeah, at that of. level, like your level and the hip level of fame, you can just have like nannies and uh, assistants take care of them, right? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, being able to tour comfortably and, and maybe bring them out occasionally, I guess, could be a thing. But I mean, the other thing is I'd say that for as much as we're on the road, we're also home a lot. So Tim and Tony, I think, are pretty active fathers when they're home because they, they they end up doing all the child care stuff while their, their wives can go out and do other things so you know it is a job that requires some travel but there's lots of jobs that re- require some travel like alex your dad he had to travel a lot for work oh right? a ton yeah yeah so he wasn't in a band but he, he traveled a bunch no, you make it work yeah. okay this one is from bryce t's wife on his behalf do you know him sorry bryce t from who from high where? school Oh, I know Bryce. Yeah, Bryce Tong. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Would it be cool if you ever did have kids if they started a band with his kids? Oh, yeah. Bryce was a, a drummer back in high school. Okay. Uh, I think he lives out in Halifax now. That was the last time I saw him. But yeah, I mean, uh, if the kids are into it, then why not? It sounds like a good time to, uh, you know, to, to 
to learn how to play an instrument and to get together with the neighbor kids. That's how I learned how to play uh, in a band. It was just my neighbor's Alex and Eli. They lived across the street. And uh, we jammed in their basement. The last question we have, because I know you do have to go. You're very busy. Were Alex and Shane cooler before or after kids? Answer honestly. Good question. <laughs> you guys are pretty cool parents. You guys could do more cool things before you had a kid just because we could see you a little bit more. It's true. Um, but I but I still think you, you guys have the party in you still. So it's like when you do come out, it's like, you know, if there's like various friends, weddings or other like nights where we, we can all get together. You guys do bring your A game. It just happens more infrequently so i'd say your cool factor is the same i just don't see it as much i like that sex and drugs and rock and roll baby all right Mm -hmm. and lastly uh is is there anything you want to promote your instagram account is it at arkells yeah arkells music uh give us a follow if uh, if you're interested in uh some some dudes playing rock and roll and having a good time and no further questions i really appreciate it max i know this is a very hectic time thank you so uh, much max and you have a great night with uh, your girlfriend absolutely yeah one day may become your wife and then one day you may have a kid with it (laughs) up to you no pressure (laughs) all right awesome thanks guys the pleasure is mine (laughs) thanks max take care so as we spoke about earlier um we had soft markers for chromosomal abnormalities on our 20-week anatomy scan with new baby girl Betty. I wrote a post about it and I had a lot of really awesome people reaching out. If this is something that interests you, I would check it out. Uh, But people sharing their stories and what the results meant for them. So one couple that reached out, they had soft markers on their anatomy scan, which actually led to a diagnosis of Down syndrome for their baby. So they were kind enough to agree to come on this call, and uh, we are really looking forward to our chat with Summer and Michael. And I know these people. Yeah. I don't I don't know Summer as well as I know Michael, but I used to be in a rap group when I was younger. <laughs> and this guy, honest to goodness, was the number one fan of the band. So I used to, uh, my friend was dating someone in London, Ontario. So every weekend we'd go up to London, and I would kind of crash at this guy's place, and we would talk about my rap group and just hang out and this guy's very funny in his own right and truthfully my my rap group although i took it seriously it was a bit of a joke <laughs> band so me and mike were kind of kindred spirits in that way and i went to school with his sister and his other brother high school yeah high school yeah uh but anyway i do have a connection to this person although they haven't mentioned that in any of the dms maybe maybe they don't i think it's implied okay good Let's see how they play this <laughs> all right so without further ado, I guess we're going to call them, or should we wait a minute here? No, let's call them. Hello? Hey, Summer? Hey. This is Alex and Shane from This Family Tree Podcast. It is you and Michael tonight, right? That's correct. Hey. Amazing. How's it going? Yo, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just throwing out some of my old rap lyrics from uh, <laughs> yo, yo being the lyrics. <laughs> my crocmile days. I'm not sure if you remember the group. Michael? Oh, I remember. I still have the uh, the burned autographed copy. That Shane That's was amazing. talking about how you were a fan, but uh, I wanted to hear it from your own mouth. I was a super fan. <laughs> I like the admission. I, I was worried that I was overselling it. I actually said number one fan. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, now we're going to record it and he's not even going to remember it. But good. I'm glad I didn't misremember that. You made his night. Um, yeah. Before we start, happy first birthday to your little one. That was yesterday? 
Yeah, Wes, thank you so much. Oh, that's amazing. Well, you guys must be exhausted. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, always. So I wanted to, well, you guys originally reached out uh, to me on a post I wrote about our latest anatomy scan with our new little girl uh, and how we had soft markers for chromosomal abnormalities. I was hoping you guys could kind of describe that process for you and how that related to you. We, um, I guess with our first uh, pregnancy, Mm -hmm. um, I was 28 at the time and um, we, um, you know, we initially declined all testing at at the beginning of our pregnancy um, because we were, I guess for us, or for me, I know I stress, um, I stress out really easily. So Mm. I just kind of didn't want to go through any of the testing initially, um, just because there is um, a lot of false uh, negatives and whatnot. And so um, it wasn't until we had our our 20 week um, ultrasound, uh, the anatomy scan, where um, it was discovered that two soft markers came back for us, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a big shock. Um, We actually didn't know at the time what that meant. Yeah. Yeah, neither did we. Right, yeah. <laughs> and then um, uh, we got a call from our midwife uh, the very next day, explained to us what it meant. And um, it wasn't until then that we decided to go through with the blood work that we had initially declined at the beginning. Okay. And anyway, I don't know if you want me to go on about um, the specifics of our story, but... Um, no, so I, I was interested. So our soft marker was uh, a shortened nasal bone on one side. Um, okay. And then that brought our chances or this baby's chances of having an abnormality from one in 2000 to one in 33, uh, which, you know, like after being told that, oh, everything's healthy, everything's okay. And then it's just a bit of a shock to the system. So what did you guys experience? Because I believe that your blood work brought you to one in three, right? Yes, we started off because uh, I mentioned my age at the at the time. Um, I was 28, and just going off my age, it, we had a one in um, 12. Was it one in 1200 mm-hmm. chance of having a baby with Down syndrome? And then when we um, had the ultrasound, um, and they found the two soft markers, and for us it was the nuchal, the thickness of um, the nuchal fold, mm-hmm. and um, there was some other kidney, I don't remember the specifics, mm-hmm. um, because it was something very minor, and um, just based off the ultrasound, we were put at a 1 in 50 chance. We were then um, encouraged to do the blood work, so we, as I said, we did the blood work the next day, we got the results four days later, and that brought us to a 1 in 3 chance. Right, and then from there, you accepted an amnio, right? That's correct. Yeah. Because like I said um, earlier, I just, for me again, I, I just needed, I just need, we, we both needed to know, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, just because we wanted to be informed um, and I didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to go through the pregnancy just not knowing. Of course. Um, so for us, that was important. Um, so yes, we did, um, we did go through with um, an amniocentesis. I believe I was 21 and a half weeks. Hey, um, you know, I'm glad you said that because uh, with Lucy, I had an amnio because our chances with her were one in 18. So even greater okay. than with this baby uh, due to things in my blood work. And we took the amnio right away because we just we wanted to know to prepare ourselves. Right. Uh, with this baby, though, the amnio was offered and the Harmony blood test was offered. So I took the, okay. I did the Harmony test on Friday and I'm waiting for the, for the results. And if they're any greater, then I'll definitely get an amnio. But I didn't know how many weeks pregnant you were impacted 
any of the risks associated with it because I, I I would definitely want it. But I, it's, it's scary this, you know, when you're halfway. Of course. Yeah. And we were definitely scared. And there, there definitely is risks um, to the amniocentesis. But uh, we, you know, we met with, I guess, a team, right? Was it a team? Yeah, that's uh, McMaster. Yeah, mm-hmm. McMaster. Um, and we, you know, we went in with so many questions um, because we were we were terrified. But we felt really good after talking to um, to the team and we decided to go through with it. And thankfully, everything was fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that confirmed for us that um, our baby was going to be born with uh, Down syndrome. Right. And that is your baby Hudson. That is, yeah, he's no longer Not a baby, baby now. But he, <laughs> yeah. he, yeah, big, big boy Hudson. <laughs> big boy Hudson, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's now six years old. That's amazing. So if yeah. you could let me know, what were your fears upon, like, if you, you, you had fears going into the amnio, but did you have fears when you had the confirmation or was it relief or a mix of the two? Oh, no, there was, I mean, we, we really grieved. Mm-hmm. It was, we, you know, we were... Um, for every single test, you know, like after we, we got the, the results back from the ultrasound, it's kind of like when we initially got pregnant, we, none of this was on the radar for us, you know, we were, it was just like, we knew other people who got pregnant and went on to have like a, a healthy, um, typical pregnancy and then would deliver like a, a typical baby, you know, it was just like, it just, that's kind of how it went. So it was kind of like. Yeah, I was like, whoa, okay, yeah, these things happen. Yeah. Um, and they're happening to us. And what, you know, what what does this mean? And so for every test that we had, you know, there was more and more tears, mm-hmm. um, to be honest. It was, and then when we got the, the confirmation, it was, yeah, it was, it was, the, it was not easy. Like yeah. we grieve and grieve because, um, you know, our, our path was, our journey was going to be different. Right. You know, and it, it's kind of like you're grieving um, the child that you thought you were going to have mm-hmm. and, yeah. in a way, you know, like it's it's so there was. Um, but, you know, after for me anyway, it was like after reading up about it more and more and more and educating ourselves, it, it got less scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the day the day that he was born, there wasn't you know, there wasn't tears like, you know, we were well prepared and we were so excited for him to be here. Yeah, and I think that is the power. Like, it's amazing. And you guys were saying you go to McMaster. They have such amazing care there. And it is amazing what knowledge that doctors have now and what knowledge they can get just from, you know, good scans and blood work and things like that. And it can really help us prepare because I couldn't imagine personally finding out day of, like day that your baby comes uh, and having to go through all of that. So I think Shane and I would be in the exact same boat as you guys. But after Hudson's birth, what did you struggle with the most? And then what did you guys find possibly easier than you anticipated? Oh boy, what did we struggle with the most? I think there was just what what we really weren't prepared for. was just the amount of appointments. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just like appointment after appointment. Um, we were lucky and Hudson was, I think that it's 50% of babies that are born with Down syndrome have some kind of heart abnormality. Yes. Um, but Hudson, Hudson's heart was fine. That's so lucky. That's amazing. Yeah. But there's still a few other things that, you know, that brought us back to the hospital after we were discharged. And, um, and then, you know, there's, uh, immediately for us, we were kind of, met with speech I think like there's a lot of therapies that that Mm -hmm. 
you know, that we were, we were meeting with speech therapy, occupational therapy, physiotherapy. So it was just, it was just a lot of information coming at us all at once and all these resources being thrown at us. And we were like, well, we just, we just want to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. we're just new parents figuring this out. We just want to kind of be with our baby and not really concern ourselves with any of that just yet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, yeah, was there anything that you guys had been like reading about and scared for that, you know, either didn't happen or was just kind of easier to adapt to? I don't really know. What do I, I don't know. I think you just read a lot of horror stories. You mm-hmm. read a lot of of negative experiences people have and we didn't really have many like going to like the grocery store someone maybe saying something about your child and I don't know if we've ever had anyone say anything negative negative at all that no. so I think it's just like situations like that that you read about that um, I guess are are quite rare that's even, well, that's shocking that that's even a thing still with all the knowledge that people have about down syndrome now it's still so yeah. shocking that people would even have those experiences at all. That's that's so wild to me. Yeah, there's 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 definitely stories out there, a lot of stories, but uh, we've been we've been lucky. And how do you um, feel when, even though you went through the grieving process yourself, you see a post like Alex's and other people sharing their stories, and people are acting like if their child did have Down syndrome, how upset they would be, or it would be a bit of a nightmare or unexpected. Do you? Now, having Hudson and loving Hudson, do you feel offended by that at all? No, not at all. Because you don't know, you know, like, and we were those people. We yeah. we didn't know. And we didn't know. So I know I don't get offended at all because I could definitely put myself in their shoes. And, and you know, those words would have come out, come out, come out of my mouth at a certain time. I think it's just if, yeah, if you've never met anybody, especially with Down syndrome, um, you know, we are we, we are kind of told that um, more or less that you know any kind of differences are seen as as negative, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like if if people don't fit that typical mold, that it's not something like that that, that it's not beautiful. Yeah. Um, but um, or you know or that the people are living with like immense sadness in their lives, and that's for like that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. yeah. Like we are we are so blessed and happy and you know to have to have Hudson in our lives and there is not even like there's no sadness whatsoever yeah no that's and you know one of my best friends uh her I was gonna say her little brother but like Hudson being older her little brother's now 25 and uh (laughs) he has down syndrome um and I know when he was younger there were a lot of health problems associated with that because uh you were talking about heart issues which he did have and knowing him and the struggle he had with those heart issues and I now that I'm a parent and I just think about how hard that must have been on his parents just to you know always be in a state of worry during those surgeries but like you said you know your outlook with Hudson there is no sadness you know it's only like happiness and a blessing that's exactly how it is in my friend's family it's only happiness and only gratefulness that has come out of it and there's there's nothing negative especially now that he's quite healthy right and i was curious too about i'm sure you guys mostly are focusing on the day to day but when you think of the future do you imagine it being even in the realm of possibility for hudson to move out of the house is that something that's possible or considered or do you have to just cross that bridge when you get there 
Yeah, I mean, we're not putting any limits on what the future holds for him. You know, it's kind of day by day and letting him lead and seeing when we're at, seeing where we're at in in like fifth. How old is he now? <laughs> like, yeah, in like fifteen years, you know, if he if he wants to uh, to move out, then we will we will support him in in whatever he wants to do. You know, right? So it um, we're not we're not putting any limits on what he'll be able to do and and achieve and yeah. No, that's great. And so you talked about, um, you know, getting an amnio so that you guys can prepare and have that information. And like I said, we feel the exact same way about that. Uh, but when I wrote my post, a lot of women were saying, oh, I wouldn't get any tests done because it doesn't make a difference. Uh, what would be, just from your experience, your recommendation to people who don't think it would make a difference? Like not knowing. Like, so like what are the advantages to knowing versus like like if a woman came to you and she said i don't want to know it wouldn't make a difference if i found out now or at the point of birth what would you say to that woman well it's really a personal choice you know some people would be okay with um with finding out the day of Mm -hmm. and dealing with with the news i just know for for myself that's just that wouldn't have worked out well. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think it's a very, very personal choice. You know, I, I would suggest, you know, people kind of get informed and and ask questions. And there's, you know, um, we there's so many people like like you said, McMaster was was amazing in terms of resources for us. So we just kind of like I would spend hours upon hours just on the Internet reading people's experiences like blogs. Mm-hmm. And um, and from that, I would or just like journals like um medical journals yeah like you know and then we would just, just kind of go back to, to our doctors with these questions and mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a it's a very very personal choice on how you decide to yeah. proceed with the information you're given you know yep I, we have no regrets doing it the way we did and and i know other people who found it the day of and you know and, and they dealt with it in in their own way mm-hmm. oh man and we went um I think once we, after we got the diagnosis, we went to a Down syndrome walk. Oh, that's right. In Waterloo. Oh. Okay. Which I don't think we, I don't think we would have done that if we didn't find out for sure. Right. I think yeah, and we did that just because we didn't know anyone with Down syndrome. You know, we yeah. were just like, and we felt so alone, and so it, yeah, so that's right. We did, we did go, and we, um, you know, there's there's organizations I think in every city um, mm. for for Down syndrome specifically. And um, we got connected with our organization in that city and um, got got involved. Yeah. Then you see from babies to adults. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, there's just to kind of bring like a reality to to our our situation. You know, it's like, okay, this is this is this is going to be our life. And it was um, it was it was really great that we you know, that we uh, that we went to that and we got to meet some friends. No, that's that's such yeah. an incredible thing to do. And I think that if you are finding yourself in any position like that, and it doesn't even have to do with kids necessarily, but if you're just new to something, kind of ingratiating yourself into that community can be so helpful in learning mm-hmm. about it, in kind of easing your fears about it and things like that. I just had one more question for you guys. So if there was something that you've learned from your experience that you wish you knew before, what would that be? to not be scared of of differences you know to to being to being open yeah i guess just to to open your heart 
to, you know, to whenever you're faced with something that, you know, that you just didn't think was going to be part of your journey to just like yeah. embrace it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because there is so much beauty that can come from it. And we have seen that with our experience. It's It's been life-changing in the best way possible. No. And how is Hudson handling having a new little brother in the house? He's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> he loves them so much, but um, there's still a, there's definitely a jealousy factor that uh, even a year after, um, that's still there. But that's I think that's you know I think more so a year after. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's to be I mean that's to be expected. He was you know at the center of our universe for five years. Yeah. So um, that's to be expected, but now the, their bond is um, is incredible. Oh. Yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's our fear too right now. <laughs> More so than anything is the uh, the jealousy that we're going to experience with Lucy. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. Um... There's no way around it. <laughs> well, you guys, thank you so so much for joining the podcast tonight. We really appreciate you being so open. But uh, yeah, happy birthday to Oliver, and uh, we wish you guys all the best. Well, thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Take care. Have a good weekend. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, Rock mile for life. (laughs) That's right. Of course. (laughs) Bye-bye. So tonight, there are no questions. What? Um, You said you had some. No. Well, all the questions were for Celebrity Max Kerman. People didn't care about hearing from you and I, Shane. But I do have a question for you. What is it? Okay. So a fear of yours, or not a fear, but... um, Something that used to get on you a lot was that when Lucy was a really young baby, she felt obviously safer with me because she always saw me. I was the one that was with her all night long, all day long. And you wondered when she would start to come around to you. So lately, Lucy's relationship with you revolves around this like weird game where anytime you come near she goes, no, daddy, no. And then she kind of runs away and waits for you to react. And it's like this weird power play she has, but she loves it. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, are you feeling more at ease with your relationship with her? Or do you think that is still something that is difficult? Well, it's not the best feeling in the world. Every time I see her, game or not, whether whether it's a game or not, she goes, no, daddy. Or if I go to give her a hug, she'll go, no, 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 no. Or if I walk into a room that she's in, she will close the door in my face and start laughing. So, yeah, it might be well-intentioned and fun for her, but it, it still, it does make me feel like, oh, I wish she would just want to give me a hug. But she does, too. Like, she, you know, when saying goodnight tonight, she was giving you a kiss, and then... Well, her favorite when, thing, she loves saying goodnight, because that means it's like, <laughs> goodbye, dad. I don't think that's what it her is. Her favorite thing to say is, goodbye, daddy, and like, <laughs> almost like she's a Chucky doll. Yeah, She'll I was be like, gonna say, you make bye, it, daddy. You make it sound so sinister. You've heard it. No, it I don't like think that. it sounds sinister. I just think she has that, like, little kid voice. If it was a movie, people would think, <laughs> watch out tonight, Shane. You might get killed by your child. <laughs> but did you hear her as you were walking down the stairs? Like you brought up her bottle and I was putting her in her jammies. And the whole time you were going down the stairs, she was saying, night, night, daddy, night, night, oh, daddy. Oh, any greeting or th- thing that involves me being out of her life, 
she's very happy. Her favorite thing to see is me walking away from her. <laughs> but the thing is, when you do that, like when she, you know, shuts the door and says, no, daddy, and shuts the door, she's always waiting for you to open again. Like if I'm in the room with her, she'll stand by the door mm-hmm. and be waiting for you to open again and she'll have a big smile on her face. Oh, she gets pleasure from the disappointed, upset look <laughs> that I have on my face. Like what is that called? She's a sadist? Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm over it. I'm used to it. I hope one day it can change. But it, it, I'm trying to have as much fun with this game as you call it that she's playing with me yeah well i'm wondering if anybody else any listeners have kind of had this experience and how we get out of this game phase Mm. if there's anything we can do to be like oh okay we're tired of this game we need to move on to something new okay well reverse question for you Mm -hmm. i know you love your favorite thing your love language is physical touch Mm -hmm. right how do you like being lucy's favorite person to hug and kiss and be with Oh, it's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. But here's the thing. She wasn't always, only recently has she been willing to give a hug or give a kiss. I'd ask her, like me as her number one person kind of, Mm -hmm. would say, Lucy, can I have a kiss? She'd go, no, no. And she'd like push me or turn her head or do something extreme. And only recently has she become way more emotional and... Like emotional in the sense that she wants to show you or show me that she cares. And I don't know if like even the kisses are a game, but like she it's it's incredible to see that change because this has really been in the last two months that she's become a lot more kind of like physical and, you know, cuddly and things like that. It'll be interesting to see how she reacts to an uh, Betty in the house. Yes. Uh, That will be super interesting. I don't think she will react well. No. Uh, I wonder if she'll hate me more or like me more, though. Well, I think she'll hate me more because I'm going to have to be with the baby. She'll love you more because she'll be so jealous. Well, that's a good play. But I might just be even more of a piece of shit. No. Because (laughs) she's going to be forced to hang with me and she'll be like, I could be with him now? Oh, no. Yeah, but here's the thing. She's a little older and... These experiences are going to mean more to her than they did when she was a baby. So when I'm with the baby, either sleeping during the day or just can't get off the couch and breastfeeding or whatever, you and Lou are going to be doing things. You guys oh, are going to be adventuring. I'm going to represent to her uh, no mom time. Yeah. I'm going to be the like personification of that. And she's going to hate me even more. Now, I wonder if Betty will like me like she can't hate me any more than Lou but I wonder if she'll gravitate towards me more than you even I said like that's just a Mm -hmm. fantasy I have maybe and here's the thing there wouldn't be a reason the only the only thing is because you were home for the entire first month of Lucy's life skin to skin where they're every day you did everything so right and I think so beyond Mm -hmm. um what I see a lot of the time so Mm -hmm. I was really impressed with that um and I wouldn't expect anything less. Don't get right. me wrong. Like that's exactly what I expected from you because you're a loving guy. So I think it's because of, you know, you're like a weekend person. So you've only got two days of the week and mm-hmm. that's hard uh, where you're seeing her. So as she's kind of forming these memories and starting to learn these things, it's harder, especially when she was younger, 
to keep memories of your times together in her head. Right. But if like a social worker came to the house and saw the way Lucy reacted to me, they would seriously think I'm abusing her. <laughs> well, not if they were like seeing that she was laughing and things like that. But maybe if they mm -hmm. just heard her going, no, daddy, like that, that could yeah. sound odd. But I think that when the new baby comes, you and Lucy are going to have so many adventures together and it's just going to be a new phase, even if it takes her, yeah. you know, a week or two to get used to. You see me trying to give her a banana today? <laughs> she hated it. Then I give the banana to you. All of a sudden, it's the best banana ever. <laughs> but here's like, Shane, you're going to be going to the play place. So you'll be going to the park. You'll be going swimming. It'll be so much fun. And you two having the fun. And I'm mm -hmm. so excited for that bonding time that you guys will have. <laughs> okay. <What? laughs> I hope it does happen. It will. But uh, excellent episode today. What a crazy mix of everything. Eh? Such a banger. We're announcing babies. We're announcing baby names, genders, Max Kerman. We got Bluebird Kisses. Bluebird Kisses. We have uh, Summer and Michael. Like just an incredible episode, I think, and you think. And it really hit every... Oh, this podcast is heating up, baby. If it's not the number one family pod, it's soon to be. Ouchiawa. Exactly. <laughs> that old expression and on that note folks if you have yet to leave a comment or rate us please do we totally appreciate that uh, and we do read every comment even if you want to do a kind of half good comment like shane is so annoying but i love alex can we never hear about shane's asperger's again <laughs> <laughs> like even stuff like that like that's a diss at me and a compliment to alex don't be afraid to leave a comment Shane, last like time that. we said this somebody gave us a horrible comment what'd they say oh no horrible review what'd it say well it's just one star I, it's not showing up in the apple as one as any one star reviews there's like this remember weird... when we had we saw that though yeah. we saw one star maybe they took it back they could have either way i don't like telling people what to do there i like when they're there though doing stuff do stuff guys we love to hear from you and again even if it's only half good it will make our day so thank you for listening to this, this family, family tree, tree podcast, podcast episode 27 at chihuahua <laughs>